0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. I am here with our fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder, and the illustrious, I'm going to go back to those old words, it even dinged as I said, so Aaron <laughs> wow. Mercer.
1: So yeah, Aaron,
0: how are you doing? it' was
1: like a bright idea moment or something. I mean, I, man, I, someone's... He really get, likes that. There we go. I feel like we have a Colin show here or something. I know.
0: So, anyway, <laughs> Aaron, today uh, we are brought to you by the LumaVaz Podcast Network. We're also brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. We exist to respond to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. And you just got back from D.C., and we're interviewing someone that's very close to me, Bob Roden, who's from the D.C. area. And... Uh, I have a feeling we're gonna have a lot of fun this episode.
1: Yeah, wow, cool timing. I'm really glad to have this conversation right after that visit, um, you know, when we're taping this. And uh, yeah, no, I'm l- really looking forward to the conversation. And by the way, Peter, I don't know, like maybe we should do a call-in show. We just, we're talking about that. Oh, maybe. Can we ever do that? Sure, why not? I don't know, we'll think about it. Well, um,
0: and before you throw to Bob, I did forget to say the question oh. we're asking is, why do we need more spiritual mothers and fathers? Yeah. So I think that that's a great question for Bob. and. I don't know before we throw it to him do you have any other thoughts or
1: no absolutely i think it's a i mean obviously the idea of mentorship um spiritual mothers and fathers i think that's something that a lot of people think about wrestle with uh whether it's people who are looking for mentors um or people who are uh thinking, should I be somehow, should I somehow would be investing in people around me? What does that even mean? You know, I think that's a, a really big conversation. So um, we're so glad to have Bob here with us. And Bob, I mean, I know Peter has, has met you, and I know you and I know some similar people, but we've never met. And I'd love to, I'd love to know more about you and your story. And, um, you know, just give us a little bit of information about yourself, maybe a little bit about your faith journey too.
2: Oh, it's just great to be with you guys today. What a what a privilege to to be here and to hang out together for a few minutes and talk about the uh, spiritual mothers and fathers, which is a uh, really an important concept. I mean, a very important concept because it, you know, first of all, it uh, it's a it's a nurturing term. You know, we people think about bureaucratic terms in the religious world a lot, but but people are really looking for something nurturing and. Uh, you know, I grew up without, uh, without a father in my life uh, because my mother and my stepdad were both killed when I was two years old. And uh, so I grew up with a grandmother and I would ask my grandmother from time to time, uh, where is, uh, you know, you mentioned stepdad, is, what, what does that mean? She said, well, your, your dad and your mom divorced when you were a year old and then your mom married another man and that's the man that was killed. And so he was your stepdad. And I would say, well, where's my dad? She said, well, he's in the, he's, he went off to service. It was during the time of World War II. And I said, will I ever, will ever see him? She said, maybe someday. And so that's what I grew up with. My grandmother kept me until I was 12 years old. I never saw my dad. And, uh, but my grandmother was a an awesome person. Uh, she taught me great things about life. Uh, she taught me the four respects of life. You know, respect yourself, respect authority, re- respect time. Those are those are things that are that are just important to to go on life. Go on life with respect. It's important that you respect yourself first of all. She would say to me, and uh, as she taught me those respects, I've uh, it, it helped me uh, as I had to grow up in, in her home in, in North Florida.
0: Well. I really appreciate that because I I think that that's kind of the heart of of our episode is just, you have this, I mean, just really dramatic story. So before we kind of jump in, um, you and I met because I went in college on this leadership trip and uh, I was a college student. We hung out and drove all the way around DC and you used to say, and you keep saying, you said, you know, your potential is my mission you know help our listeners kind of understand from from basically childhood to becoming you know an assemblies of god denominational leader how did you grow in this passion for mentoring the next generation because it it seemed to be something that you didn't naturally have you had to go find it on your own
2: you know that's a little bit of a mystery i think even to me at times peter uh I, uh, growing up without a dad, but I had, you know, kids around the neighborhood and aunts and uncles who, uh, were very, uh, very good to me. But because I had people in my life who, who came in at strategic times, when I, uh, when I became a, a pastor and then ultimately a denominational leader, I thought, you know, I, I want to try to pass along some things that people have imparted in my life. And one of my dreams, one of my dreams for so many years, was to take a group of college students and uh, and just spend three or four days with them and uh, and talk about life, hang out together, and uh, that's how you and I met when uh, when you were selected uh, from the school where you're attending, and we uh, we took this trip down to Washington, D.C., and we're hanging out with the Chaplain of the Senate, Barry Black, and. At that time, John Ashcroft was attorney general, and uh, we met. We went to the uh, the house where the Seabees house, C, C Street, there, where the International Prayer Breakfast people uh, sort of were emanated from there. And I just wanted you to meet people that could make a difference in your life. And then we went to some churches, and uh, we attended actually Mark Patterson's church, National Community Church, together. Hanging out together, eating in restaurants, telling our stories, and uh, and saying to every one of you, your potential, is my mission. It was those were some of the best days I can remember, and I that's I remember you, Peter, from one of those groups, and just it's so awesome to see you today, now in ministry and developing your your own leadership style.
1: That's really, that's great to hear. I feel like I should ask some questions about, you know, Peter, as a college student, you probably, you must have some good stories out, or that's what, Peter's smiling over here. He doesn't want you to tell the stories, but um, <laughs> <laughs> about what questions he might have asked uh, Chaplain Black or something, I don't know. Um, but I am curious, you know, maybe you can get to that, but I'm sure the listeners would like that, but to, but I'm curious, I also, um, I, I, just to back up a little bit, I'm curious, you know, you. You talked about how you wanted to. You chose to invest in college students. You made that decision. Um, you know, at the very beginning of this conversation, we talked about there's probably people who are looking for spiritual mothers or fathers, looking for mentors, um, and then there's people who are kind of struggling with, should I be doing that? What it, What did you, you know, you you felt that that urge to to do that? How did you know that's something you should? pursue? I mean, were there any obstacles in your way that you, I I think, I mean, I'm sure you've been doing it so long now that it feels like second nature, but when you kind of were at that beginning point, um, what were some of the obstacles you had to get past to just take the first step towards making a mentorship relationship like that happen?
2: Well, first of all, I had to find a place to do it Hmm. if I were going to take college students. So a, a natural for me was the college where I had served as chairman of the board. So I had uh, that was uh, we overcome that obstacle. Secondly, you have to you know if you're going to take students for three or four days, you have to have some finances. So I found a foundation that uh, that helped finance uh, this venture. I wanted these students to have a good experience, and I mean they thought they were going to be maybe sleeping in a flop house somewhere, I think, but we had a nice hotel and we ate at nice restaurants and uh, had a nice bus to ride in. So overcoming the financial piece. But I think thirdly was, I thought, what what do we do during these four days? I mean, so I can't really tell you how I came up with the idea of, of all these various places to go, other than I thought, if for the people I know, who who are the people I would want to introduce these students to? And, and I think that's a, I think the, the shepherd heart that you have in ministry is you want the best for the people you're serving. When I was pastor, I always said to the congregation, I'm gonna invite the best speakers I know mm. to come and minister to you because I want the best for you. That's, I think if you, uh, this is about seeing other people experience the good things that you've experienced in your life. So that was a, a part of my motivation. And I think I felt so grateful for the opportunities I was given mm. But where I came from I mean I should never have been in places where I've been I mean I've been to the White House several times and uh, I had president I had a, a breakfast with President Clinton I mean those are experiences that I thought I want to share these with other people this is too good <laughs> to keep to yourself and uh, that's that was my motivation I think for and I didn't think about it in a formal term like being a spiritual father but that's the way it began to to emerge as here's what i think about spiritual fathering it's probably the most effective form of discipleship there is today
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's because you're you're spending time with people you're you're with them they're they're watching you live you're getting to share with them how how you do life that's what mentoring is mentoring is sharing your life with other people
0: so i want to kind of back up a little bit because Again, I think the tension of this episode is, you know, you're someone that didn't know their their father till later on. And I'd encourage all of our listeners to buy your book, um, Restless to Reconciled." I read it and you can actually get it on an audio too. But, you know, Bob, why don't you walk us through from, you know, when you first became a pastor to even, you know, a district superintendent and all the way in between who were kind of the main figures in your life that you would say in your professional life, these were the spiritual fathers or mothers that really helped me along as I began to kind of grow, you know, in ministry or professionally who were, you know, maybe three or four figures.
2: Well, of course the man who led me to Christ, his name is Paul Davis. Paul was the owner of Cadillac glass corporation in Florida in the land town of Lake Worth, Florida. And he led me to Christ. And and what a, the thing about Paul, he, he was educated. He was a businessman. I mean, he was sort of somebody in life. And I sort of thought growing up that Christian people were just on the margins of life. I didn't think of Christian people as maybe being in the center of life. Uh, so, but here was a man that was kind of in the center of life. And I thought, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. And then I met Iris Stanville. Iris Stanville is a, a noted gospel songwriter. He took me to dinner one night when he heard about my background. I was in college. He took me to dinner one night, bought me a, I mean, the really great steak dinner. And then he told me his story. He, he had tragedy in his life. And I I just was listening with everything inside of me. And then he gave me $20 at the end of the dinner. He said, here's $20 Bob to help you. That was, I mean, he added value to my life with for no reason other than he wanted the best for me. That made an impression on me. And I thought, "I I want to find the best in other people. I want to find the best, I want to do what I can to add value to other people's life that's what spiritual fathering is about it's about adding value to other people so those are two people that were really instrumental in sort of setting the tone as a matter of fact iris stanfield is the person who introduced me to my wife he did the wedding for us his wife gloria stood up as my mother in the wedding of mm-hmm. course my mother was a living and Gloria stepped in, and she said, "I'll stand up as your mother." Well, when people do those kind of things for you, you then I just said, "I want to do this kind of stuff for other people. Hmm. I want other people to experience the value that I have felt by by the attention they paid to me and presence means support. When you are with a person, that they feel your support, the fact that you." I want to give your time and be with them and you're doing this for them their potential as you said peter is is my mission your potential was my mission on these days that we did this what we call we called it the innovative leadership experience
1: mm. Who, When in a whether in the the uh relationships you just mentioned with with some people playing a very important role in your life um or in the ones you know people that you've invested in like peter and others who makes the first move is it the is it do you do the does the mentor or the potential mentor the potential spiritual father mother i mean do you make the first move Do you have to do, or do you look for people to ask you questions and and i guess in either case what's the question you ask to get things get things started you mentioned going out to dinner that seems like a very practical thing to do but what's it in your experience what who acts first and what do you ask I-
2: I think the person who is, quote, the spiritual father makes the first move. Mm -hmm. That's been the case in my life. The people in my life, they came to me and they would say, like Iris Sanfield, he said, I want to take you to dinner. And uh, he made the move. And that developed a relationship. And so uh, I made the move to be with these students uh, and, and do this innovative leadership experience. Now, once you make that move, then the people that you would have to receive it, that they have to say, okay, I want to do this. And it was, when we got together with these 10 students, it was after about an hour of just kind of hanging out together, you could feel the chemistry starting to, to, to happen. Them saying, Hey, and hey, this is going to be pretty cool. I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now here we are, how many years later, what, 25 years later, Peter, the, no, it's not that long. <laughs> uh, How long has it been since we...
0: I think it's been 14 years, but, you know, 25, 14, 14 years. Years. okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but uh, 14 years ago, we met each other for the first time. And here's what's interesting. Though I started this relationship about mm, two or three months ago, Peter sends me a text one morning out of the blue. said, hey, I've been thinking about you. I mean, we haven't contacted each other for a few years now. He said, I've just been thinking about you. I responded back to him and said, oh, it's awesome to hear from you, Peter. I remember you. And so we start this conversation again. And it's about that time. I'm I'm getting ready to do a website and I'm thinking about doing podcasts. And Peter says, wow, this is amazing timing. I'm doing a podcast. I, I know about those things. So, I mean, while I started this, The person who received it has to also want to receive that, and they have to follow up on it as well.
0: Wow. So something that I kind of want to help our listeners kind of know, just kind of a little bit of the concreteness of your story, but then it kind of leads me to a question. So um, probably the two places that you served the longest was you were the founding pastor of West End Assembly, which is in Richmond, Virginia. Um, And then you were, you know, depending on what denomination you're from, you were a district superintendent of the Potomac District um, of the Assemblies of God, and um, you had like national. So that's kind of like a presbyter or a bishop or something like that. So I, I guess what I'm curious is, um, obviously, Aaron and I are not as experienced as you. Was there was there a point that you said, you know, I'm, I have to move from looking for older leaders to help me to now I am the mentor leader. Like, was there a point that you remember that you just had, you made that shift? Um, or were you doing both at the same time? I, I guess I'd be curious about kind of how you kind of came about that process.
2: Yeah. That's, a, that's just a, a key question, Peter. Because I, I will remember what happened. I was, uh, I was pastoring in Richmond, the, the church was growing and I was, I was really busy with pastoring, and I really wasn't paying a lot of attention to other people around me at that time because I was consumed with just trying to pastor this church. And uh, there were monthly meetings of and ministers in and, and the, and the tribe that I was in, and, and I didn't go to some of those because I thought, well, I don't have time. A- and one day I was sitting in my office and it was a day for one of those meetings. And I'm sitting there saying, "Eh, should I go or shouldn't I go? And in my heart, I feel like I had one of those Kairos moments where God said to me, not audibly, but just in my heart, if you'll go and share with other people what you're doing and let me take care of the rest i got up i drove to a meeting that was two hours away and i went in and i sat down and i pers- knew some of the people there that was a turning point that's when i began to really say hey all this has been given to me i i would to give to other people and it and from that point on what i talked about a little bit ago about making efforts to do this that that was the day it changed for me, so I would I would just urge any of my friends, who were that we we're that are even listening today, hey, take that moment and say, you know what, if God has put His hand on my life, I I want to pass this along to other people. It's something that that I can do, and uh, you don't have to be perfect to be a spiritual father or mentor. You just have to be willing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: P- people aren't looking for perfect people. They're looking for people who will come along beside them and say, let me just share what God's been doing in my life. And, uh, that's, that was the turning point for me.
1: So I know this might be a a side note here, but can you just explain a Kairos moment What that, what that mean? What do you mean by that?
2: Sure. Uh, well, there are two terms in the, in the Greek language for time. One of them is, is Chronos, which is the orderly sequence of events. Like right now it is, uh, you know, whatever, it's 2012 or, or 2.30 or what time, that, that's Kronos. Kairos is a special moment in time where, where that, it's a significant moment that, that is, makes a difference in our lives. That's what Kairos means mm. when we talk about a Kairos moment. So that's, that's, that's the other word for time. It's a timely experience in your life. That's what Kairos means. Ooh, that's
1: cool. Thank you for yeah, no, thank you for going into that a little bit. Um, yeah, so I, I I love what you you've you've shared. Um, I'm I'm curious, you know, I I think I think a lot of listeners to this podcast, there's there's a variety of people who listen, but I think there's all I think there's um, a lot who may be in the earlier end of their career journey, um, or their life journey, not just career journey, but you know what, let's say there's somebody who feels like they're looking for, they're, they want some wisdom spoken into their lives, um, but nobody's, th- nobody's reaching out right now. Like, what advice do you have for someone like that who, you know, should they be, should they be reaching out to people? Should they be, um, lo- uh, what places should they be looking in? What's, what's your advice for someone like that?
2: I think ask someone, give me an example. Last Wednesday night I was at a church and I was just hanging out at the welcome center and uh, a a younger man came up to me and he said, uh, I don't know you, but I know you're Pastor Roden. And I said, hi. And we we started talking. And he said, "I'm, I'm taking a class to do my credentials. And one of the things that we have to have is we have to have four sessions with a mentor could i be bold enough to ask you if, if you would do that for me i mean how could i say no i mean how could you say no and i said what is it about? he says four hours over the next four months one hour each month and i said sure i'll do it i mean do i have all kinds of extra time to do that absolutely not but but i'm going to make time I'm going to make time to be with that young man because he took the initiative. I mean, you could tell he was nervous. He was kind of. So I would just say, if, if you want someone to be with you, t- take a bold step. I mean, you've got one or two choices. They can either say yes or no. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a huge a huge uh, options here. You see. so. Uh, I would say. Find somebody that that you want to talk with, and, and ask them, say, "Would you be willing to just spend some time with me?" Now, let me uh, let me go another step. Uh, when when I was superintendent, there was a there was a church plant that was starting in another state, and and uh, as I was retiring, I I was going down to this place, and I went and met a young man who was planting a church I initiated. This I called him and said, "Hey, I want to I want to bring something to you." Well, he happened to know, we were talking about Mark Batterson earlier. He happened to have met Mark Batterson and and Mark Batterson's is the one who told me about this young man. I called him, and he was he wasn't sure about who. What, he's wondering, "What are you coming? To, what, what do you want to do with me?" I said, "I'm just here to I'm here to give you some money, and I'm here to tell you I want to pray for you and encourage you." That person has just celebrated 15 years. As a pastor in that city, the church has grown to be very large, and 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 we we talk regularly on the phone. We have developed a mentoring relationship. So in that case, I started it. In the other case, Wednesday night, this person comes up to me. So it works both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you just have to be willing to take a risk, take a risk, and ask somebody uh, to, to be with you.
0: Wow, um so a question because you and I have been ever since that text, you and I have been kind of corresponding. Um, so one of the things that you know I wonder if our listeners are wondering, you know, you had mentioned that um you know, your mom and your stepdad passed away. Um, you didn't really know your dad, and um, you're married to your wife Joan. she's wonderful, and you have three wonderful kids. And I guess some of our listeners might be wondering, you know, was it a struggle for you to learn how to be a dad, you know, or how to be a mentor or parent? You know, when you think about your three kids, you know, what what did you struggle with and what did you maybe came a little natural to you, especially with parent, since you didn't really you didn't have those natural relationships and obviously you spoke very highly of your grandma. You know, you had some aunts and uncles that really stepped in there, but how did you feel like you parented differently and maybe what was the same?
2: Well, maybe there's a little bit of the, to give a little of the backstory, uh, when I was 15 years old, I met a man in the hospital. My uncle took me, who was allegedly my father and he was introduced as my father cause I had the same last name. And uh, he said he was going to come and and uh, be with me sometime, but I never heard from him. It was a—I mean, I always say the letter never came, the phone never rang. He never got in touch with me. And so uh, when I was when I married Joan, I told her my story that my parents, my stepfather, and my mother were killed. That I met this man when I was fifteen, who was allegedly my dad, and he's never gotten in contact with me. Well, after we got married, she said, there's got to be more to this story, Bob. There's got to be more to this story. And so we went to visit some relatives and I learned that the man that I met when I was 15 was not really my dad. He married my mom to give me a name. And I asked my aunt, well, who is my dad? She said, your dad is a man named Drew Strickland. And I said, where is he? She said he died when he was thirty years old. So here are three men in my life. two of them were dead, and the man that still alive was only a man who gave me a name. so with that background my my idea of fatherhood was I just didn't have a whole lot of idea what it meant to have a father. So when we had children, I'm struck I did struggle to try to you know, have what be you a know, father what do you do but and uh, I neglected our children in the in the very early days of their life more than I should have. Not, not because I didn't love them, but I'm just busy doing stuff. And I, I'm not thinking about how much it's important for a father to be with their children. And one night I had a dream. And I and in this, I woke up out of this dream crying. And Joan said to me, what, what's wrong? What's happening? I thought, "Oh Jonah, I just had the most awful dream. I dreamed I was coming out of the church, last one out of the church, and there's this young man on the lawn and and he was smoking marijuana because I could smell it in my dream. And I said to him, "Hey, you probably ought to go somewhere else to do that." And the young man said to me in the dream, "You don't recognize me, do you? I'm your son, Rob." And so I woke up out of this dream crying and realizing that I had been neglecting our children. And I said to Joan, I have to make some changes. So I started, I, there, at that time, I started getting some books to read about fathering. I even talked to our children, they were younger. And I said, you know, I, I love you and I'm, I want, I'm learning how to be a dad. And I I started coaching our our son was just starting baseball about I started coaching the baseball team I coached the football team that he was on every activity at school that the girls were in I we I would go and like if they were they were musicals I would, put, I would write it on my calendar this this night and I would say to people I have an appointment it's a very important appointment and uh, and and I gave it a priority because when you communicate to your children presence means support so i i I was having to learn how to be a father and then i i read a book that said why don't you bless your children at night before they go to sleep and so i started going in at night when our kids would go to bed i put my hand on their forehead and i would say as you go to sleep tonight i bless you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and we even developed a sleeping pill verse. If they couldn't sleep at night, we'd give them Psalm 4, 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And that became their sleeping pill verse. If they couldn't sleep, I'd go in and say, let me give you your sleeping pill verse. So I just learned, it, though I wasn't a, I was like any father. I wasn't a perfect father. I had so many flaws. But I started, I was communicating with our children that I'm learning how to be a father to you. And that was, that was a very, very important piece. I'm grateful to say today that all three of our children grew up, they are they're followers of Jesus. And uh, not because we did it right, but because we invested in their lives. And, and that was a, a major turning point. That dream I had was a major turning point. And in learning how, I said, I have to learn how to be a father. And probably that's what has motivated me some to want to reach out to other people to try to help them to learn what it means to really be a father. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I love how you're reminding us that, uh, you know, how important it is to make sure that being a spiritual father and mother, that that means first and foremost the, <laughs> the people in your own family, you know, people, your, your kids. I think that probably, Peter, I'm going to speak for you, but I'm guessing that resonates with both of us. Uh, that's so important so thank you so much for saying that As and you at the very end of your what you just said you were talking about how that's helped you when you're trying to invest in other people's lives also and um, you know is there one I mean it doesn't have to be one thing but if there's one thing is there one thing that you've learned as being a spiritual father to your children um, the most important spiritual fatherhood you have but is there something you've learned as you've tried to invest, something you've applied to other relationships, other um, situations where you're investing in someone, whether it's someone like Peter or it's someone, uh, someone else who God has put into your life? What's one lesson you've learned from being a spiritual father to your kids, uh, reaching out to someone else?
2: I, I think it's important that, uh, and for me as a pastor, that, that my public life and my private life matched up. Mm. That's what integrity is. That, that what they saw in the pulpit was what they saw at home. Uh, That, that I didn't have one, one voice or once say one thing in the pulpit, but do something different at home. And I was openly, I confess I said to them, I'm, I'm learning Uh, that to do, to do that, you have to have conversation. You have, you have to, you have to listen. Uh, yeah, pay attention. I, I told Rob about the dream I had and I told our other kids as well, but I told Rob, I said, I, I've, I've just, I just need to change some things here. And, uh, it's, it's amazing when you are, see, transparency disarms people mm-hmm. when you're transparent, it, it, you don't have any walls. And I, so I think I'll say being transparent is really, really important as a mother now, you have to remain the parent. The child is not the parent. You're always the parent. But but you you see, you, you operate out of relationship, not just because of rules. We have to have boundaries and rules, but relationship is the absolute priority.
0: I, I wanna come back to some of those points, but there there's something that you've brought up in your story that I actually think is kinda of super practical for our listeners and um, so I want to just shift the focus a little bit so you know Bob you've talked about you know here you are you know a kid from Florida you know and all of a sudden you live in Washington DC in that area in Virginia and you're all of a sudden you're sitting down and you're having breakfast with Bill Clinton President Bill Clinton and you know I I think for some of our listeners um, you know there's there's this shell shockness or imposter syndrome, you know, when I sit down with people or figures, whether it's the mayor or whether it's a CEO or like so I, I guess I wanna get super practical for someone that sat with a bunch of people that were in high power positions or were famous or popular, you know, how how would you encourage maybe someone that's 25 or 26 You know, what does that conversation look like if you get that opportunity and how do you make the most of it? What have you learned from your experience with individuals that, you know, I mean, you talked about Iris Danfell. Um, Some of our listeners will know that others of them are going to Google that. But, you know, how would you coach them to approach some of those situations? Because like what you said, they could be Kairos moments. You know, what would you say to them?
2: Well, if you find yourself in a situation with, uh, particularly uh, with a with a strong leader, like a mayor of the city or someone, everyone who comes to them are coming to ask for something. They want something for that person. If you come with the attitude, I'm coming to give you something and you say to them, I'm here because I, I'm i grateful that, uh, that you are in a place of leadership and I want you to know that I pray for you. And I, will, I want you to know if I'm here to, to know, for you to know that, that's my, my only reason, how can I help you to be a better leader? I I had the privilege of meeting President Reagan. I was at a banquet and got my picture taken with him. And when I shook his hand and I said, thank you, President Reagan, I was here you to know, pray for you. God bless you. That's, I think anyway, these people are, are individuals who they need encouragement they need people to pray for them and that's our that's our role is to pray for them I was it's not a political agenda it is here to say my role is a spiritual agenda I'm here to to, to pray for you that's that you get you get I've never had anyone say no don't pray for me they may say no on some other things <laughs> but no one has ever said no don't pray for me uh, but people, people could use prayer. They have, they need help in what they're doing.
1: Oh, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Th- thanks for asking that question, Peter.
0: Well, you know, let me, okay. I'm gonna, I, Peter, oh, Peter's no, no, got no, another no. question.
1: He's going to follow up before oh, I jump into mine. Well, <laughs> so,
0: so like one of the things that you're working on and we have a mutual friend, Bob Farlow, who's helping you kind of write, cool. um, some blog posts, create some more content. We'll, we'll send everybody to your site. So, you know, you talked about, you know, you shook hands with Bill Clinton and you've talked with Ronald Reagan, you know, and I'm glad to have Aaron here. He might add some follow-up questions. So I, I kind of, I want to take it a little bit of a little different direction
1: because we're having fun. Um, so first of all, when I went <laughs> you, to- You got to watch out now. Peter starts I, trying I, to have fun and that's, it could get interesting here. <laughs> so,
0: So, you know, Aaron worked in DC and when I went to the Innovative Leadership, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was even back 14 years ago, things aren't as polarized as I thought. Now it's different there now. I guess as someone that's lived in the Beltway, that's met all these individuals, um, and it seems like it's more polarized, you know, and someone that's focused on hope, what would you say to people that are cynical about just, you know, people getting along different parties and, and things like that. You know, I'm sure you've had a ton of questions from the people that you serve, you know, about Washington, DC and America, you know, what are some of your thoughts about the polarization and maybe hope, you know, in the future?
2: Well, the, I think our role is to, we're called to pray for those who are in leadership over us and, uh, and to be careful what we say. I think our 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 conversation uh, needs to not be so vitriolic. Uh, we need to we need to, to portray as individuals that we are that were people who want peace and understanding. And and you know that when you think about Jesus it, even when he was hanging out with people that were publicans and sinners and tax collectors you know, he was hanging out with them not because he wanted to be like them but because he wanted to show them a better way that's that's and i think hope is showing people a better way that um, when when you can say to people hey we don't have to live like this uh, we can, we can have a better way and that we also understand that the political system in in any country is not the answer the ultimate answer: We we need political systems, we need government, but the ultimate answer is what happens in the inside when people's hearts are affected and changed. And I think that's why it's so important for the church to not lose its way and and feel like it has to take on a political approach. We, we live in this world, but as Jesus said, while we live in the world, we are. We are citizens of another kingdom. And that kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy. The scriptures tell us that. And when you watch that Jesus lived in this kingdom here. He lived on this earth with tension just like we have. I mean the Roman government and the and the Jewish people were in tension all the time. And he said, I can't I can't fix all that. But what I came to do is to help people's hearts change and then see how the difference is. So that's 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 my approach to helping people understand is people watch how we live. I want to go back and say two things about President Clinton and President Reagan. You know, I don't want to imply that I'm friends with those people or hanging out with them. I was, at a, I was at a table, a breakfast table with President Clinton and got invited there because of my religious person, because I was a religious leader. And it was wonderful. He asked me to pray and I have a card signed by him and President Reagan, somebody else got me there. But it's... You know, when you're in Washington D.C. and you're in circles, you you will bump into those kind of you bump into all kind of people. Uh, and when you do, I think you say, "God help me at this moment to make a difference that to represent your kingdom in a way that people will understand that we have we have come to a place of peace in our own heart about who we are. If, if you're not if you're not at peace with yourself, how can you help other people come to peace?
1: Hmm.
2: You have to be. You have to be at peace with yourself. And that that's very very important. That's that respect for yourself that my grandmother taught me about as a as a child. But that peace then comes from God, that comes into our life.
1: Go ahead. No, I think that's. Uh, I, did you want to follow up in that particular? So I wanted to just. I mean, I think what you you just said actually, Peter, what your question was kind of actually connects well to where where I was. I was interested in. Asking you a question, um, Bob, yeah, I mean, whether you're in Washington, um, Washington, D.C., or you're in New York City, you know, you're going to come in contact with some of the, uh, with business people or other, other leaders, um, you know, someone's in, wants to go to Nashville and they're, they're going to talk to the, or in L.A. or, I mean, you know, you know, right here in Rochester, you come in contact with some, particularly in the, whether in the technology field or health or whatever, but I think, you um, you know that's so. That's so key. Who does Who does God put into your your circles, um, or someone who may not even be a leader, someone who's just who 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 needs you to connect with them? Um, I am curious, though. Like, what do you you, you mentioned about touching people's hearts? Um, and you mentioned it in the context of <laughs> God needs to get through our hearts in the political world for sure. But how do you how do you kind of how do you approach that? Because you know, getting back to our our question here of why do we need spirit, more spiritual mothers and fathers, there might be people who don't think they need extra wisdom in their life, um, and or resistant to that. You know, I I the idea of I kind of built built myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need help. Um, how do you? How have you found that you can kind of? Get through those barriers, or on the flip side, have you ever felt that, and you and you've had to deal within your own heart to um, bring that barrier down in your own life? I, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Just, I'd love to hear your your thoughts and your your wisdom on that.
2: Well, the, I think you have to point people to people have to uh, have to feel that they're not an agenda or a target hmm. from mm-hmm. you, uh, and, and sometimes in in the church, we sort of feel like we're targeting, or we are—you know—people are kind of we're marketing people. It, this is about connecting with people. It's it's connecting with them at a level that you care about them, and people feel that they they can they can sense that. Um, uh, one day, I was in the uh, I was in the uh, Capitol building. And I don't, Peter. I don't remember if this was the group that you were in because we had four or five of these groups that went to DC. And we came around the corner, and it's a time when, when uh, Hillary Clinton was the senator of New York, and she walked around the corner, and boom, there she was. And I just reached out my hand and I said, Senator Clinton, it's so nice to see you again. Thank you for what you do, and, and God bless you. It was. I mean, I thought she pro- she may never remember that. But I thought if I could just plant a seed, a seed of of peace and hope in a person's life, might make a difference in her. What is interesting, I did see her at another time then at a at a banquet, and and I watched her and a group group, group of people join hands and say a prayer. So, you know, there are I mean, there are ways that we can, if we see our influence as spiritual and not political. Mm. So our influence is a spiritual influence, not, not a political influence, and I think that's a mistake that the church can make by trying to exert political influence. We we are what we do will bring about influence, but our goal is to is to help people find the peace of God in their life. So I think that's that's what we do. For me. There was a time when I was pastoring the church. I'll, I'll be very specific. Uh, it was a time when Pat Robertson decided he was going to run for president, and here I'm this young pastor, and and people came to me, and we had a successful church, and they said, "Hey, we're going to have a a rally over here, and we're going to kind of promote Pat Robertson for president." And they so I went to the rally, and and they asked me to be a part of the leadership of that, and I was in there who rode away. And later on I thought, hey, if I wouldn't do that today. I wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't do that today. I would say that, hey, I'll I'll pray for him. I will I'll do everything I can to, to ask for God's will in people's lives. But I, I'm not gonna go out and and I mean because you know, when you pastor a church, you have both Democrats and Republicans in your church and you have independents. And if you take sides with any of them, you're polarizing rather than unifying, and the thing that Paul consistently contends for in the church is unity, unity in the church, and how, that's one of the things I really admire about Mark Batterson in D.C. I mean, Mark is, he has all kinds of people in his church, but Mark is a, a, a person that always talks about praying for people and, and loving them and caring about them. It's, he's a great example. Of a person i think who if you want to look at an example of how to pastor a church in a very political polarized situation look at national community church where mark Batters is the pastor he's a great example
0: well uh two more questions and uh you know because aaron's a friend with mark you know mark uh you're, you're welcome on the podcast at any time so bob thinks you're throwing that out there so uh <laughs> we'll have some fun with that so uh, the last two questions, this one question that I I, I just, I feel like it's important to ask. Um, so no surprise, the three of us are men here. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about spiritual mothers, you know, number uh, in two ways. So number one, um, you know, in your life, some of the most influential people were a type of spiritual mother and maybe what's the difference between a spiritual mother and a spiritual father, especially if you're a different gender, but also you know, just to kind of speak to to women, um, because I, I think that sometimes, I think men and women both face this, but I don't feel like I'm good enough, I don't feel like I have anything to offer, and just maybe in conversations with your wife, even how she spiritually mothers. So first of all, talk about the influential women in your life, but then secondly, you know speak to the spiritual mothers out there or maybe to women that are looking for spiritual mothers
2: yeah. well the you know, the bible is pretty clear on this about the matriarchal aspect of uh, of our faith it, it's interesting that when paul's writing to the thessalonians in 1 first thessalonians, thessalonians chapter 2 he says we cared for you like a mother caring for her children so that there is there is the comparison of of the caring aspect. I think I think mothers have a, a special gift in, in the caring, comforting piece. And then I noticed this morning I was reading in Romans chapter sixteen where Paul is listing all those people. He says and say hello to Rufus and to Rufus's mother, who was also like a mother to me. Hmm. Even the apostle Paul had a person who was like a mother to him and and so that i think that aspect of the of the caring warm aspect that 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 a mother brings my grandmother is a great example for me i mean there was nothing like crawling up in my grandmother's lap and having her tell me hey bobby it's going to be okay it's going to be okay we're going to make it i mean that that tender care i think that's a good word tenderness there's a tenderness in mothers that that i believe we recognize that's very important so uh, spiritual mothers carry a very important piece in in helping uh people along the way so we uh i mean it's it's important to have spiritual fathers but i'm so glad you brought up spiritual mothers because that's where we that was a part of our topic and uh and, and if you look at the at, at the at people in life, they can tell you about some grandmother who prayed for them, or you know some some person on the on the uh, maybe a mother who cared for them. My my mother-in-law was such a person. She, one of her children was having some struggles in life, and my mother-in-law used to go at night and put her hand on the do- on the bedroom door. And say, God, would you would you take care of my daughter? Please take care of my daughter. I mean, a, a, a mother crying out to God like that for their children is a powerful, powerful example of uh, what they do. So, I would, I, I am, I would, I would underscore, capitalize spiritual mothers because of how important they are.
0: Mm. Man, what a what a great place to end and. I, I guess now we just we have one of our conversations recorded. This is like when you and I get on the phone, just a couple thousand people listening. How does that sound? <laughs>
2: oh, this has been so great, Aaron, to meet you today, and uh, I want to thank both of you for giving me this privilege of hanging out with you for these minutes. And uh, wow, it's gone by so quickly. Yeah. And uh, I, my prayer is that it'll be used that God will use this in some way to make a difference in in somebody's life somebody's life
0: well we close with a, a question and the great thing you know bob with your experience you're used to cleaning up messes so aaron and i are going to answer the question what does jesus have to say about it and whatever's messed up you can kind of fix does that sound good
2: <laughs> that sounds good uh, <laughs> wow. uh, that, what a, what a, that's pressure <laughs>
1: well, I, well i'm sure as a as a pastor and a denominational leader, i mean you've never had to clean up any messes I'm sure right so. uh, <laughs> just, just one or two you're one or two no. right okay <laughs> so who's going first me or you um how about I'll go and then you can you can just Perceive it. I think that's a good, I think that's a good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, just to me, this is, uh, why do we need more spiritual fathers and mothers and fathers? Um, and by the way, I'm glad you asked the mother's question too. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's a really important topic. And I think that, I think Jesus wants us to have people who are, um, speaking into our lives. I mean, he made us, he made us as a, a church, um, with, uh, people who are at all different Places in their, their spiritual journeys, um, certainly age journey, but even probably more important is even the spiritual journey. And um, there's things that we can we can teach each other along the way, um, and that I think that includes the 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 mothers and fathers teaching those who are younger um, in the faith. And I think there's probably, I mean, as a father myself, I know there. Uh, there's a, a, a you know a father of my kids. I know there are things that I learn by just hearing the questions my kids ask. Sometimes that I need to get kind of reminded of. So, I think it's I think it's very important, and um, it's a reason why God put us in relationship. So, Peter, go ahead.
0: Love it. Um, so, Luke two fifty two says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And it, if you take that verse and you begin to wonder. How did he grow in favor with uh, God and man? How did he grow physically, spiritually? Well, I mean, the biblical writers take time to tell the story of Joseph, his father, and then takes even more time to tell the story of Mary, his mother. So Jesus had a mom and a dad that invested in him um, as he walked this earth. And then I, I think about Jesus's ministry. You know, he devotes his life to twelve disciples, but then he has additional people like mary and martha and you know as we read the story of the unfolding of the new testament and the gospel these individuals were became spiritual mothers and fathers and you know the fact that we're here today and we're still talking about jesus 2000 years later is because there's a lot of quiet work that happens outside a podcast or outside of sermons on sunday morning of individuals that are doing one-on-ones Discipling, mentoring, however you want to define it. So, you know, I, I think Jesus modeled it by receiving it, but he also modeled it by giving it. And I mean, that's kind of what's becoming apparent in this conversation. Bob, what would you add to that?
2: I think those are uh, excellent insights that you've just given as we uh, wind up here today. I, I want to also add that, you know, spiritual mothering and fathering is you have it as a as a casual experience, it just sort of happens in life as you're going along with people. And then you have more intentional times, mm-hmm. like the few days we spent together, Peter, and, and you, you know, you need both of those, you can't live it, like we did those three or four days together. the other you can't, that can't be the way life is. That was a, that was a special, that, that was a Kairos, a, a Kairos days. But then you, I think just Having the attitude in everyday experience, hey, wherever I go, whatever I do, I'm going to try to be a spiritual mother, father to people as I'm, I'm, if that, it's an attitude that we have. I think that's what's, that's important.
0: Wow. So Bob, you have two books that I highly recommend, uh, Restless to Reconcile, that's your story, but then you also have Four Faces of a Leader. Um, Where's the best place for people to find you? Um, What's, what's your website address?
2: Uh, if you go to uh, www.bobroden.com, and you will find all the information there. I'd I'd love to have our uh, listeners today go and check it out, and uh, we'll be adding to it as we're going along. We have just opened the website recently, and all uh, right, we just posted some new stuff. I was at a, a conference with uh, Dick Both and John Ashcroft last week in in Georgia, and that's going to be on the website. So. That's the best place to go.
0: My my favorite thing that you said about that is you're like, well, between the three of us, there's 160 years of leadership experience. So there you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, and we actually need, it was a uh, three, it's 240. We need to make it, we're each 80 years old. So three <laughs> times eight is 24, 240 <laughs> years. And we compressed it into two days. Pretty amazing. <laughs>
0: well, there you go. Well, the best place to find us is go to why got com. click the subscribe button you'll be able to access this episode and many others. Thank you so much for joining us today.